So this, this morning we are in week three of uh, Like a Child, and this morning we're talking about Give Like a Child, and this is my absolute favorite Sunday of the year, bar none. Actually, we have like three of my favorite services back to back to back. Today is the big give, and this is when we will, as a church, at the end of the service, we'll kind of come up and you'll, you'll see money already in here from the first service. We'll drop money in this basket, and every bit of the money in that basket is 100% of it's going to go to nonprofits in our area, nonprofits that are already rock stars when it comes to serving people. They've already got passion, right, or they wouldn't be. How many of you have ever, ever worked for a nonprofit? You only work for nonprofits if you have a passion, correct? Nobody does it to get rich. Um, so they've already got a passion, but lots of times what they don't have is they don't have the fuel for that passion. So today, as a church, you're going to help give people gas. Isn't that awesome? What did you do at church? We gave people gas. We're going we're gonna to throw gas on that fire of their passion. Now, here's how it works, okay, just so I can make sure you really understand why I get so excited. Think about your family budget. Okay, think about what you should have as a family budget, right? Think about the money that comes into your family. And if you're like most families, you play a little game, and it goes like this. If I had, then I would, okay? So Wendy and I will play this when we go down to visit her mom and dad. Because we'll go down, we'll see the big billboard that says, like, the lottery is $228 million. If we had $228 million, we would. And then you start, you ever do that, spend the money in your head? You ever... It's just me and you. It's fun, right? Yeah. Apparently, it's just me and you. So your pastor and wife dream of winning the lottery. There you go. That's fantastic. Where do you go to church? Well, the pastor's a sinner, and he preaches. We don't, we'll never play it, so we'll probably never win it unless we just pick up the winning ticket somewhere, and we will not return it. We will use it. Um, so we play that game. Now, we're probably not going to win the lottery, but you do this, right? Here's what you'll do. Stuff like, if I had an extra $500, I would... Get that TV I've been checking out, right? If I had an extra $1,000, I would stay at the beach another week. Those of you that are on the upper end of the budget, if I had an extra $3,000, I would go to Disney. It would last you a day, but you would go to Disney. On the lower end, if I had an extra $50, I would get the good meat at the store. If I had an extra $100, I would eat a little better. I'd buy a few more groceries. All of us, no matter where we are, we all do that, right? Well, that's what nonprofits do. Nonprofits, they're already doing the best they can. And what they say to themselves is, if we had, then we would. If we had an extra $30,000, we would hire that staff member that could really help us do better in the city. If we had an extra $500, we would buy a copier instead of taking all the stuff to Office Max. That's how nonprofits think. The big give is our chance as a church, aside from the normal tithes and offerings that we normally give, this is our chance as a church to say, you know what? We're going to add one more name to our Christmas list, $25. Now, we ask you, we, don't, we can't make you, but we do $25 a person. That's what we do, okay? If you can't do that, if you've got a family of 10 and you're like, hey, I can't do $25 a person, but I can do $25, cool, do $25, doesn't matter to us. Whatever goes in this basket, 100% of it allows us to go up to nonprofits and say, hey, if you had, you would, and that's the man, if we had an extra $500, we would absolutely be able to do this. And it's our church, chance as a church, because of your giving today, to say, hey, that's awesome. Go do it. That's what we get to do as a result of the big give. Okay? This is my favorite day. Next week is my second favorite day because it's the Sunday before Christmas. And Christmas is just cool, right? 
But next week, all the kids hang out with us. Like all the families are together, and I love that. And then a few days after that is my next favorite event, and it's Christmas Eve. I love Christmas Eve service. We do candlelight service here, 6 o'clock. We'd love to have you come. It does not last long. You'll be out of here by 7. You can go home and still eat a lot of food with your family. I love this time of year. And when I think about gifts, I think, okay, best, worst, best and worst gifts. I don't know what your best and worst, well, I mean, I, I did, wow, like, not often do people come up in the middle of the break and go, I can give you the worst gift, but Joy comes up and she goes, I got the worst gift. My husband, it was your first Christmas, you said? Gave her a trash can. <laughs> but in your defense, you said it matched the kitchen. Okay, that's good, right? So that might be best, oh, I don't know. Um, Wendy and I, we did our best and worst gifts in, in the same Christmas. Um, my brother, who has gone on to be with Jesus, he loved um, to get, he called them uniquies. And what a uniquey gift was, was a gift that nobody would ever think to give, but you gave it to him. And it just, he would, he'd ask you like, you know, weeks before Christmas, am I getting a uniquey? You know, because he like just flipping all around. He's all excited, right? And so if you thought you had the uniquey gift, you lived it until Christmas. Like you would talk about it, like, like Laura would call me, she'd go, I got it this year, I got it this year. So like if you think you have it and you give it to him and he opens it and he's like, yeah, then you're like, woo! But if you think you have it and you give it to him and his face just drops, oh man, I thought I had it, you know? It was just So when we found out that we were pregnant with Parker and Will, we didn't know we were having twins at the time, He'd always ask when and I when we were going to have kids. And so that year we made him a t-shirt. And it said, Merry Christmas, Uncle Stephen. And then on the back it said, Love, from question mark. We just did one question mark because we didn't know we were having twins. So that was the uniquey that year. It took him a while to kind of process it. But eventually he got it and he just lit up. And we were like, yeah, score, right? That's the best gift we've ever given. Now, a few days later, we go down to visit Wendy's mom and dad. And we decided, hey, let's be creative again. And so we, we wrapped up the pregnancy test. And gave it to her mom to let her know. So, um, basically, we gave her mom a stick of urine for Christmas, which is the worst. If you don't know this already, it's the worst gift. Yeah. Like, don't, if you're kind of going, what do you give the person that has everything? Not a stick of urine, right? Don't, don't, that's the worst gift we've ever given. Merry Christmas. I'm sorry for the smell. Wow. So, <laughs> giving gifts, right? giving gifts. Um, all of us, if we were in a room, could probably tell stories of how we've been impacted by generosity, right? Generosity just does something to us. Um, maybe at different levels, maybe your story would be, hey, I was in line to pay for my food, and somebody in front of me paid for it, and I didn't have to pay for it. Um, I've gone through toll booths, on, like toll roads before, and they throw in money and pay for the person behind them. Um, I, I have a story. When I was um, early on starting that youth thing, it was a nonprofit we, maybe that's one reason why nonprofits are close to my heart. We, we had taken somebody on payroll. I was not the person. Somebody was getting paid. So, like, you feel this responsibility. If you've ever owned a business, you know how that feels. And there was no money to pay at all. I'm a youth pastor, so I got, it's not like I got spare cash laying around, right? And I remember one Wednesday night after youth group, I went in. I, at first time, I, pulled, I sat down. I pulled the drawer open, which I never did. And I looked in the drawer, and there was an envelope in the drawer. So right away, I'm thinking... How'd that get here? And how'd that person, how'd somebody get in my office, right, to do this? So I've opened up the envelope, and inside the envelope is 70 crisp $100 bills. Now, let me do the math for you because this is Stanley County. That's $7,000. $7,000 in my 
office drawer with a note that's not signed. I don't know who it's from still to this day. I don't know who it came from. But all the note said was, use where you need it. I know where to use that, right? Gas to fuel a nonprofit's vision. I've been on the receiving end of that. And I walked out of that office. What, did I walk out feeling stingy or feeling generous? You walk out feeling generous like, man, that's fantastic. Generosity tends to lead to generosity. And we're talking about children, right? We're talking about if you could take all the population in the world and just segment them by ages, young, middle-aged, you know, older. Young crowd. I can't think of a bigger crowd, a better crowd that's more generous than kids. Kids are just flat out, they just give. They love to give. And so we're doing a series called, you know, Like a Child. We talk about how to love like a child, how to live like a child. This morning's how to give like a child. We have to ask the question, if Jesus said in Matthew 18, if it's true that if we don't receive the kingdom like a child, if we don't become like children, we won't enter the, the kingdom of heaven, how do kids give? I want to give like a child. So here's three ways that kids give. They all start with G. Here we go. Number one, kids, children give genuinely. They give genuinely. There's a passage in Titus, Titus chapter 1, verse 15. Now, Paul is right in the middle of writing to, to um, Christians to encourage them. Like, here's how you kind of deal with false teaching and, you know, jerks. you know any jerks in your life? Yeah, like he's saying, here's how you deal with jerks. And right in the middle of that, he, he lays this truth on them. He says, to the pure, Titus 1, 15, to the pure, all things are pure. There's something about kids, I think, when I think the children give genuinely, children give purely, don't they? They just love to give. Typically with no agenda, no strings attached, they just want to give you something. Um, if you've ever had a kid come in from outside playing and give you a frog, that's, kids just like to, they just genuinely, they don't think the frog's going to pee on my mom's hand, the frog's going to make a mess, I just want to give you a frog, Right? Kids are like that. They just give genuinely. My children, um, I love at Christmas time, they, they almost get more excited. Now, my kids like to receive gifts for sure, but they, they get so excited to see other people open the gift that they bought for them. Maybe your kids are the same way. They're just genuine. Maybe the best example I ever, I ever got of this was when Sydney was in the second grade. Um, when you're in the second grade, you don't have a lot of money, Correct. Some of you are like, I'm perpetually in the second grade. In the second grade, you have no money. You can't, go, you can't go buy Christmas presents. And so at Park Ridge, where she was going to school, they had this thing called school store. So you would kind of do good on your homework, do good grades. You would get these bucks that you could spend, like you know, Park Ridge school bucks, whatever. And so she would go shopping for her Christmas gifts. She'd go shopping, pick up all these gifts at the school store, and she bought my gift at the school store. And she was so excited to give me the gift because kids love to give, and they give so gently, and their hearts are so pure. And she's, she's smiling. She's like, Dad, here, open this. And so I, I opened it, and it was a book because I love to read books. And my precious daughter gave me this book. Isn't that great? <laughs> so all of us that were adult in the room kind of started chuckling, and she didn't understand why we were laughing because she just, in her mind, she just saw this. It said good dad, and my dad's a good dad, so here. And she didn't even put it together that she had given me an instruction manual on how to be a good dad because I was terrible at it. Never even crossed her mind. Because kids, give, they just give genuinely. They give with no agenda. They give with no strings attached. Let me ask you this question. 
When's the last time that you gave your Heavenly Father a gift? Just no strings attached, even if it was a weird gift. Let me give you an example of a weird gift. Um, maybe some of you have heard of Matt Redman. He's a worship leader. He wrote the song, The Heart of Worship. He's got a book called The Heart of a Worshiper. And so in the book, he tells the story about when he was in youth group. He's maybe a senior in high school. He was really new to Jesus, and he, was, he wasn't leading worship. He was just a kid in the youth group. And every time they'd get together and they'd sing, he just felt like, do you ever feel like Jesus just moving? He's in your heart. You just feel him. You want to do something. I don't know if you ever feel like that or not. I do feel that way a lot, and I kind of do the awkward white man can't dance moving. But he just like, I need to do something. So he asked his youth pastor, like, what do I do in that moment? What can I do? And the youth pastor, with you know, all the wisdom of youth pastoring, said, I got no idea. Do something, right? So the next Wednesday, Matt Redman's in his youth group, and, and the music starts playing, and he's worshiping, and he's just like, I just, I got to do something. And all he could think to do in the moment was to go outside and run laps around the church. So he just ran laps until he couldn't run anymore, and he came back in. <laughs> You know, weird. That's like giving God a how to be a good God book, right? That's weird. But it was what he had. It was just a genuine, pure gift from a kid to a dad. Like, I don't know what to give you, so I'll give you laps. And if next Sunday you feel the need to go run laps around this block, have at it. We won't think you're weird. We'll just be like, God, I'm glad they did it, not me. Sometimes you just, I mean, when was the last time, just as a child, you didn't talk yourself out of giving God a gift because of how it might look? Kids don't do that. Children just give genuinely. Here's number two. Children give graciously. Probably the best passage in the Bible on giving is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's read what Paul says. He says, and now, brothers, starting in verse 1, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I was just telling the earlier church, my, my son Parker loves, he loves to watch Good Eats. Anybody in the house like Good Eats? It's me and you and Parker. Sweet. I'm not into the cooking shows, but I like good eats. Like, if it comes on, I'll just find myself standing transfixed in front of the TV just watching Alton Brown. He's just amazing. Um, if he was going to st- stand on the stage right now and teach you and I a recipe, and he was using this verse, here's what he would say. So, like, if you'll take the severe trial that some of you are in right now, and you'll mix in there some overflowing joy, and then take some, take some extreme poverty, just kind of fold that in, right? Just kind of turn the bowl, just kind of fold that in a little bit. Once you get that together, put that in the oven. If you'll put all those together, what's going to come out is rich generosity. That's a weird recipe, right? I know people that are going through severe trial. They've got a little bit of joy, and they've definitely got extreme poverty, and it's not welling up into rich generosity. It's welling up into grumpiness and stinginess and misery. Paul says, man, the Macedonian church was going through stuff worse than we're going through, and when he put it all together, out pops rich generosity. For I testify, verse 3, that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, not because a man on TV told them they had to give money or else they would die. You have to give money or else God will kill me. Out of their own, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service 
to the saints. They did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Listen, here's what Paul said three times in seven verses. Grace. Grace. Kids get that. Kids give graciously. They give with grace. Giving is not an act of finances. It's an act of grace. When our giving is fueled by grace, there's no room for selfishness. When giving is fueled by grace, there's no room for stinginess. When giving is fueled by grace, our giving is not held captive by grudges. We have some, some neighborhood kids that come play at our house a lot, and they're loud, really, you know, like really loud. I love that. They're loud when they're laughing. They're loud when they're having fun. They're really loud when they're fighting. And how many of you know that kids can fight? Yeah. And so um, yesterday, they were outside playing with Sydney. I'm inside kind of finishing some last-minute preps on the sermon, and, um, and I heard, like, they're just laughing or having a great time. And all of a sudden, I heard, like, screaming, like, because um, two of my brothers, and so you know how brothers are, right? I mean, you'd think they're going to kill each other. They're just screaming and yelling and mad, and I was just like, man, if I'm outside, I don't want to be around those people at all. And then five minutes later, Sydney comes bouncing in the house. Hey, Dad, I'm going to get three pieces of fudge. Okay, are you really hungry? No, I'm just going to get one for me and one for my friends each, one each for my friends. What, the same friends that sound like they're going to kill each other? Kids don't hold grudges. They just give graciously. They understand what we find in Ephesians 2.8. That God, by His grace, gives. We're not saved by works, right? We're saved through faith, which is a gift by grace from our Father. He gives graciously. And in 1 Peter 4.10, I'm paraphrasing, you can read it later... 1 Peter 4.10 tells us that we're supposed to take the gifts that we've been given. So God gives graciously to us. We take the gifts that he's been given, that we've been given by grace, and then we're supposed to use them in grace to serve each other. That's grace all over the place. Kids give graciously. One last passage about giving graciously. It's in Deuteronomy. Way back in the Old Testament, fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy 15. Right in the middle of, like, they're giving, God's given instruction on how to tithe. He's given instruction on what to do about canceling debt. There's actually a, a, a thing in the Old Testament where every seven years they would cancel the debt that people owe. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, how many of you are in year six, 12, 12 month? You're like, please, can we institute that? N- next president, please. Every seven years they would cancel the debt. So here's what he says in the middle of all that. 15 verse 7, he says this, If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. I love how God says right up front, this land. He's like, look all around. This land is your land. This land is my land. No, don't start singing. This land is your land, right? He says, it's your, all that you see is your land. I am giving you this land. And because of what I'm giving you, make sure that you also give to others. He says, look, because I'm giving you the land, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Rather, verse 8, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Look down at verse 10. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. 
And then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. Man, God says, look, because of how I gave to you, it should impact how you give to others. Don't be stingy. Don't hold a grudge. Just give graciously. If you're not able to give graciously, here's the way to solve that. Just start to remember what God's given to you. It changes everything. When I really just like get along with God and I close my eyes, I start thinking, God, I didn't deserve that. I got a beautiful wife. How'd that happen? I got three kids. I got family. I've got two cars that run sometimes. I didn't deserve any of that. And you start to realize what God's given to you, it just becomes so much easier to open your hand and give away. Give graciously. Here's the last way that children give. They give generously. When I was young, I didn't think twice about giving away what I had. I mean, I just, you need it, take it. Right? I've told you a story about letting the, the, the guy take my car to Maryland just because he needed a car and forget the insurance. Just, I got a car, you need a car, take a car. I didn't think twice about it. As I've gotten older, I convinced myself that I was so generous as a child because I was naive as a child about how finances operate, right? So I find myself saying adult phrases. Money doesn't grow on trees. The kids leave the front door open. You say to them, hey, close the door. What, you grow up in a... See, we, we get this way. We grow up and we start to think, well, I was generous as a kid because I didn't know how it all worked. I don't think that's true at all. I think that children are smart. I think that children are generous because they believe one simple truth. And, and I'm going to say it, okay? I'm not asking you to agree with me. You don't have to agree with me that it's true. I just want you to agree with me for a moment that kids think it's true. Is that okay? You understand what I'm saying? So here it is, all right? There's one reason why kids are generous. It's because they believe with all their heart that there's always more where that came from. That's why kids give it all away. Now, I'm not asking if it's true. We can debate that, right? But they believe with all their heart there's always more where that came from. As we grew up... We became less generous because we started to believe that that was not true. We got to the end of the month, the end of the money before we got to the end of the month. We took our paychecks home and we opened them up and we noticed this huge gap, this huge chunk that was missing from our paycheck and it was federal and state withholding. And so there's this huge hole in our gross and so we become a lot stingier with our net. And the reason that happens it's very obvious because as we grow older, we start to believe that the pie is only so big. We start to see the natural. And if you only see giving as a natural thing, then the pie is only going to be so big. I, I was thinking about a lady that used to come to our house um, because my mom took care of my brother. And so once a week, this lady named Annie Roper would come to our house and she would hang out with us and she would help my mom kind of run the house cleaning. And one day, um, we found out two things about Annie Roper. One, she has a wig. 
because my brother just like whoop, ripped it off. We're like, wow, you wear a wig. That's, in, that's impressive, right? And the second thing we learned was we had, we had a birthday party for her one day. And my mom made her this huge cake because my mom didn't make small cakes. It was big. And we put it in front of her and she blew out the candles. And my mom handed her the knife and said, Annie, cut us some cake. Now, my mom, when she would cut cake, it was like, you know, like this big old piece. Annie Roper cuts cake like this. I mean, you should pull it out. You could, look, you could see through the cake, right? Real small pieces. And I learned something about Annie Roper. Annie Roper believed with all her heart that when that cake was gone, that cake was gone. And in the natural, that's true. And so many of us see giving like that. I've only got so much to give. I need to just a little slice to the Pregnancy Resource Center little slice to the SCCM, a little bit bigger slice to India because the pastor's wife has a passion for that and we want to make her happy. That's how we do it. Because we see giving as natural. I want to change that this morning. I want to give you a big idea. If you don't remember anything else from today, please remember this. If you remember this, you'll get it, okay? Here's your big idea. Then I'll give you two scriptures to back it up. Giving is natural, when the resources aren't. Giving is natural when the resources aren't. We, we've got to start to see the supernatural. And I'm not asking you to jump up and down, down about this and say this is the most amazing thing ever. It's okay if you're struggling with this a little bit. But listen to a couple passages in, in the Bible. Psalm 50. When we start to think that the pie is only so big, we forget God's pie is limitless. Right? So just listen to what God says. Psalm 50, starting in verse 8, he says, I I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are never before me. Verse 9, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. Now, you got to understand back in the day, and we'll start to wrap this up. Back in the day when this was written, they didn't bring dollar bills to church, they brought bulls and goats. And so this is God. Looking at his people saying, I don't need that stuff. God looks at his church today and says, I don't need your money. Well, then, if we don't, if you don't, what? If you don't need why are we giving if you don't need our money? Listen to this why God says you don't need it. He says, verse 10, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, because the world is mine and all that's in it. I just order takeout. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Basically, be thankful. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Man, God does not need our stuff. His resources never run out. His pie is not Annie Roper's birthday cake. His pie is huge. Matthew 14, just jot that down, 17 through 21. Let me just give you the the nutshell. Jesus is looking at a crowd of 5,000 men, probably upwards of 15,000 people when you throw in the women and the children, and they're all hungry. So basically, this is Albemarle, right? Because we've got 16,000 people in our city. So the entire city of Albemarle is hungry And he says to the disciples, we need to give them something to eat. And they said, all we got is five and two. That's all they got. 
And Jesus took it. And if you read verses 17 through 21, Matthew 14, 17 through 21, here's what you'll find. He took those seven things and he blessed it and he broke it and he multiplied it. And it says that everybody ate. They were full and satisfied. Now, full and satisfied is in the South. That means that you've eaten and you've undone your belt and buckle, right? You are full and satisfied. And not only were they full and satisfied, but then you keep reading, they picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. So they were full and satisfied, and there was a whole lot more left over. That's what God does. See, we cut small pieces because we think that all we have is this. And he takes small pieces and says, I can make it this. It's amazing what God can do. Giving is natural when the resources aren't. Just a principle for you to remember. We'll never give generously based on what we have, but we'll always give generously based on what he has. Always. Have you ever wondered this? Like when you read Revelation, it says that the streets of gold, the, street, the heavens has streets of gold. It's like gold is heaven's asphalt. Yeah. Right? Like, that's weird to me. Because down here, gold is so precious because gold is so rare. When things are rare, they become precious. One heaven, gold's not rare. You can't waste what doesn't run out. That's God's resources. They're limitless. We're tied into a God like that. Children give it all away, and they expect their parents to replenish them. And I get that we down here can't always give back to kids what they've given away. But our Heavenly Father is not limited like we are. When we give like a child, God will do that as well. So this morning, how do you apply a message on giving? You give. Yeah, that's it. That's all you can do. You give. How do you apply a message on giving? You give. And so this morning, I want to give you the chance to live out what we've just talked about. We've been talking about this on, uh, for a couple of weeks now. It's been on Facebook all week, just trying to prepare you for the big give. What we ask you to do is this. We ask you just to give $25. $25, it's not about one person doing a huge gift. It's about a lot of little pieces being put in here. And God just, hey, God, do with that basket what you did with the loaves and the fishes. And so this morning when you come up here to give, that's what's going to happen. You're going to drop your big give right there. And we're going to trust God to move miraculously in what you give so we can bless nonprofits. I'm going to ask Phil to come. He's just going to start to play some Give Us All Your Money music. kidding let me give you two two real quick instructions okay number one this is really important i want you to keep in mind all that we've talked about this morning and know this that god doesn't tell us to give because he needs what we're giving um how many well don't answer this out loud but i didn't really need this i'm i'm i was already i can be a better dad but i was already a good dad when she gave this to me but this gift moved me, not because of the gift, but because of who gave it, right? God doesn't ask us to give because he needs what we're giving. He's asking you to give because the world needs more givers. I can guarantee you this. If the nonprofits in our city are holding their breath until we give them $25, they've got problems. God's not after that. He's after the giver. He just wants to raise up a bunch of givers in this church that will be generous everywhere they go. And here's the second thing to keep in mind. 
And I'm going to explain it and I'm going to tell you, now if you do what I'm talking about, it's still cool. We'll still take the money. But this is not about taking what we would give to God normally and just giving it here. Because all that does is slice a smaller piece, right? This is about us trusting God. The Bible calls it tithes and offerings. And so we tithe all the time, right? We give to God on a regular basis. We give back to him what's his. But this is about going, okay, God, I gave you that. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something supernatural now. And I'm going to trust that you will grow the resources around me. And God does that in an amazing way. Now, if you're here this morning, like, you know what? No, I refuse to do that. <laughs> I'm just going to give one time. Well, fantastic. Drop your tithe in there. We'll give it away. But that's not what God's calling us to do. But we love to be generous. Let me tell you one last story, and then I'll let you come give. I was in India. And if you've been to India, you know Ken Shank. Ken Shank is the one that heads up that team. And two times ago, I went to India, and I was, I was with Ken, and Ken told me this story. We had a guy go, his name was Wes Doffenball, which is a really weird name, right? And I've, I've met him one time. I'll probably never meet him again. He's from Pennsylvania. But Wes told Ken this story. He said there was a man who was running a ministry, and his ministry needed funds. And this man was praying, and he said he heard God say, go to Canada. And so the man went to Canada, and he got to Canada. He's like, God said, go to this part of the city. And so he went to that part of the city, and go to, go to this, this lady. And he had a name in his head, and so he asked around town where this lady was. And they said, oh, she lives in a shack up on the hill. And so she, he goes up to the hill, knocks on the door, and this little old lady, it's just a really, really small house. She opens the door, and he goes, God told me to come here. And she goes, I've got something for you. And she went back inside and she came out with an envelope and she handed him an envelope and he looked inside and it was a thousand dollars. And he went, a thousand dollars? And she said, oh, I gave you the wrong envelope. And she took it back. She went back inside, she came back out and she gave him another envelope. It was like five hundred dollars or something. I bet he was thinking like, why did I say anything, right? But now he's totally curious because this is an old woman who obviously has no money in a really small house who just handed him a thousand took it away and gave him 500 and he's like that's a lot of money and he said ma'am I've got to ask how are you doing this and she said oh come inside I'll show you and so he walked inside now first off let me say this some of you are sitting here going how do I get hooked up in that little deal where God tells me to go to Canada to get money well you come back through the month of January and February and I'll tell you how because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and he's the one that leads and guides this church now, I don't know if, it'll take, if he'll take you to Canada to get money, but he'll definitely talk to you, and I'll teach you how to hear him. He walks inside, and he finds out her story. Her story is that she was a school teacher, and she never made more than, I can't even tell you, I can't remember the amount. She was sending out 5000 some odd dollars a month to ministries around the world, and she made half that. And he's like, I can't do that math. How do you do it? And she said, well, what I do is I get my paycheck and I go to the bank and I cash it. And I bring the cash back and I put it on my kitchen table and I put my hands on that money and I close my eyes and I say, God, this is not my money. This is your money. And you've got places that you want me to send it to. So I'm asking you to multiply my money. And she said, I'm not lying. I could see the money grow under my hands. And then I would take that money and I would just put it in an envelope, put it in an envelope, now I've got your attention. I don't know how God does it. And I'm just as skeptical as you are. And I didn't believe the story until the Sunday I heard Ken tell it again. And then he introduced me to the man who went to Canada. And it really happened. 
And that joker lives in Stanley County. He's a man I know. God does that kind of stuff. I'd like him to do it for my money too. But if I'm honest, I'm not giving away all my money. I'm not doing anything that would even give God a reason to multiply my money. This morning, I'm asking you for $25. I'm asking you to look at your family and say, we're a family of four. Here's $100. That's what I'm asking you to do. Give what you can. I can guarantee you this. God multiplies His resources and makes sure we have more than enough to give what people need. And I'm going to pray as you come forward this morning. He's just going to play. I mean, aren't you motivated by that picking? He's like, man, I want to write a bigger check now. It's not about a big check. It's just about a bunch of people being faithful to do a part. And we just watch what God does with it. I'm praying that God, <laughs> that'd be cool to even grow that money. Wouldn't that be cool? Let's ask him to do that. And then when I'm done praying, you can come forward and just drop your gift in. And then you go back to your seats and we'll wrap this whole service up. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of this. I mean, obviously, God, um, it's a no-brainer. You do not need the cash that's in my wallet. You, I'm not writing a check to finance your kingdom. This is ridiculous that we would ever think that. Why would we ever hold you captive with our money? You don't need it. But you are so desperate to raise up givers because generosity changes culture. Generosity this morning can change the atmosphere of Stanley County. And that's what we're asking you to do. I know that we have a lot of different levels of people in this room right now. I know for some of us, you know, writing a check for $25 is like no big deal. I'll write some for another family. But for some of us right now, it's a big deal. And so wherever we are on our journey in, in towards generosity with you, I just pray right now, just through the story I told, through the words that we've read from your scriptures, that you would just fill us with the faith to give like a child, to give genuinely, to give with grace, to give generously. Because when it is all said and done, you're not slicing Annie Roper's birthday cake. You own everything. And I thank you that when we give away what we do this morning, we can look to you and say, I know there's more where that came from. And you will always pour through your people when we're willing to give it away. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.